Okay, so I'm Mike Johan, host of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast, and I'm coming to you today live from Startspace, well actually from the State Library of Victoria, meeting room number five, as you can see behind me. We have people slowly milling in on this Thursday morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Startspace is a free business support service for new and early stage founders, and it's powered by State Library Victoria. Uh, membership includes access to their co-working hub, uh, programs and scholarships, and I've personally been a member of Startspace since March 2022. Theoretically, I'm probably like outside of how long you're meant to stay in Startspace. I think it's a six-month program, but they haven't kicked me out yet. I think... I don't know we why. like you too much, Mike. Yeah, I think I'm We're like, I haven't, I haven't annoyed anyone, or I'm just under the radar. <laughs> um, yeah, so whenever I'm working on my own side hustles, obviously I work part-time in the professional marketing industry, part-time on my own projects, I'm pretty much found in here. So that's been an awesome, um, a really awesome solution for someone working on an early stage startup. So yeah, if you have any interest, I suggest you supply. If you've got a business idea, you've got a business plan, Check it out. Go to startspacehq.com. Now, super importantly, today it is my great pleasure to introduce my guest, uh, Kenny Kurniawan. Am I pronouncing that? That's pretty good, yeah. Close-ish? Kurniawan. But... Kurniawan. Yeah, That lovely close. Indonesian lilt yeah, there, which I do bit. not possess. <laughs> uh, Kenny is the Startspace community leader. Uh, recently uh, in that role. It's a new role for you, right, Kenny? Yeah. Uh, bringer of good vibes, always smiling, <laughs> always happy, always making people feel comfortable in the start space community, and a former tourism startup founder. Yes. Uh, welcome to the show, Kenny. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. And as I said, yeah, send me your bills later for this therapy because I'm very excited. Uh, this is a really uh, long-awaited therapy session for me. Yeah. Fantastic. I was thinking about this session and I was, I was thinking about calling it like a, a startup post-mortem, but I, that sounds a bit morbid to me. It's a bit me. morbid, but yeah. it, is, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the themes that we, we can unpack a little bit today is that that perception of failure when a project maybe you decide to close it down uh, and you know all the implications that has to your sense of self-worth um, and how you kind of pick yourself up after that mm -hmm. you know failure quote unquote is an inevitability in all contexts right you're going to come up against challenges where you need to make a decision whether to keep pushing or to pull back and uh I think what we can discuss today, Kenny, with, in terms of your startup, is a great example of how you've sort of um, navigated those turbulent waters, which I'm sure has been pretty challenging for you, yeah? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it was. Uh, so before we jump into the startup journey stuff specifically, mm -hmm. uh, could we maybe have a little bit of an understanding, Kenny, what your role is at Startspace, what sort of work you do currently? Mm, yes, sure. I think you've covered it uh, at the beginning really well as the community lead here at Startspace. Um, yeah, my main role is to take care of the members, really. So it's my job to know all of the members, um, you know, uh, very well uh, to the point that um, I'm always like representing the members to um, everyone else, you know. People want to always know who are Startspace members, 
what kind of people, what kind of businesses, what kind of ideas, and I'm always there like, you know, oh, these are the, the, the really great people who are founders here, this is what their needs are, this is what their challenges are, this is what they want to do. Um, so I think to me that's one of the most important thing, uh, and that's why I spend so much time trying to get to know, you know, as much as possible, all of the members, um, you know, there's over a thousand members here at Startspace. So it's a thousand yeah, members. Yeah, yes. Ever since um, 2020, 2020 when we first started, it's over uh, 1,200 actually. Wow. Yeah, and I probably would say I personally inducted close to like maybe 30, 40% of them by now. Mm. Probably. I'm, actually, I'm not sure of the math, but yeah, obviously I'm quite new to the role, but I've I was in this role as an acting um, community lead last year as well, so so kind of like new but not newish. Um, but yeah, I feel like maybe I know only about thirty percent of the people. Uh, but hopefully, I can um, I get the gist of who the people are here. And at the end of the day, you know, members they're all people, and I love people, so that's why I'm in this role. And <laughs> yeah, otherwise I won't be. Uh, but on the other side of it, obviously, you know, I take care of the space itself. I make sure mm -hmm. the facilities are, you know, um, supporting all of the members here downstairs and also at the loft and, you know, um, making sure all of the, we have community events as well. You know, people come here because they want to connect with other people apart from, you know, the space itself and to learn things. So I try to create platforms where people can meet and, you know, um, collaborate and have a conversation mm -hmm. and some people are shy so you need to kind of get it going at first but you know I, I was just walking past uh, the cafe and I, I saw two members actually sitting down having coffee so I'm like that's my job done <laughs> <laughs> success. You know, success so yeah that's that's what I do and you know at the end of the day uh, I'm part of a team that creates uh, programs and support um, system to help people starting their business, whatever their business is. Uh, it could be tech, it could be non-tech, it could be um, you know, service-based, product-based, anything. But we want more people to start a business. And you know, what better way than here in the library, the center of knowledge. And it's free for all, access for all, and that's, that's why we love it, yeah. Fantastic, it's, it is an awesome initiative. Um, Having been someone who had paid for co-working in the past years mm. ago, realizing how uh, how cost prohibitive it is for early stage founders yeah. to have a space to work in, yeah. like you're paying half your house rent, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, maybe a quarter your house yeah. rent, uh, and that you know is a lot. You know that that yeah. would stop people pursuing these interests for sure. True. Because um, a lot of people, like yourself, you know, it's a part-time thing, mm -hmm. and you might not necessarily, you know, want to invest in that amount of money yet because you're not using it much you know um, and being early stage these businesses who knows when they're going to become profitable exactly. this is yeah. like an incubator for ideas yeah before first and foremost mm -hmm. so like people are at that very early stage of like a business that will make a dollar yeah a lot of them who knows if and while they will yeah, so exactly. yeah there's a huge amount of risk there and Absolutely. yeah to have that that th that worry about finance is mm. totally removed to, for a workspace is just is magnificent. I, yeah. I actually couldn't believe it when I got the chance to sort of apply for it that yeah. it existed. I still good. get that every day, but yeah, we've got members who's you know have already launched their business, started making revenue, but it's also that's probably one of the toughest part of 
business, you know, getting to that stage where, where it's sustainable, right? <laughs> it's easy to make, you know, random sales one here and there, but when it's about being sustainable, um, that's probably one of the, what do you call it, the value of the death or something like that, where people are trying to find, yeah, I guess, you know, product market fit and where mm-hmm. it's going to be sustainable business. And often during that time, yeah, you need community around you. And, you know, this is what, what Sartspace is as well. I mean, community lead is my, my role is because I'm not going to be able to help everyone every day, every second. It's about people finding other people around them that they can, you know, they can help them. Mm. Uh, they can help each other. I think someone showed me um, this diagram, the difference between audience and community is like, uh, audience is like, it's a triangle and it's like one one direction uh, of information uh, versus community is like a circle. And it's like um, air is going in all direction because everyone's helping each other. And that's what I always try to remember. It's not just like one way. We're helping you guys. And that's it. Because I'm just one person. My team, like, uh, you know, the team that I'm in, we're only five of us. We're not going to be able to help thousands of people. But it's about people helping each other. But we do need to structure it. We need to support it to make it work. But eventually a success would be when everyone's helping each other. Yeah, and I can see you guys have in leaps and bounds moved towards that objective mm. because when I first started here, uh, it was early days of programs. There was no programs, actually. It was mm. basically just the co-working hub and, yep. uh, you know, it was, it was peak, just after peak COVID, right? So, like, it was, it, it was all very strange. The place was empty yeah. and you guys have progressively introduced programs which are relevant to early stage founders. They've started to get momentum. People are pulling other founders in like, hey Mm. guy, you should come along to this. You're relevant to this. And so it is kind of getting that like economy of scale thing going on. Yeah. Uh, It's funny we're talking about community because right before we started this chat, we were talking about um, how external perspective for founders is so critical. And in my own journey, it's been probably the single most lacking yet single most important part of the whole startup journey is is that continual external input getting out of your own mind and i think this place provides that and it's priceless for for founders um so yeah super appreciative of that and I, I think i also am super impressed that you would i think it takes a special sort of someone to be a community lead because most people are petrified of trying to remember more than 10 people's names <laughs> like that, the thought of that scares the hell out of me uh, I think it's, I'm really lucky. It's one of those things that I just told you earlier about one of my, you know, special skills is being able to be able to sleep anywhere, anytime. So, so that's, I'm very Special lucky. skill, panda. Yeah. He's like, oh, my husband actually called me panda. But yeah. For that reason, because I can sleep anywhere pretty much. But my other, I think, thing that I kind of was born with, luckily, is I'm pretty good with faces and names. I just, it just kind of clicks and you know I just realized that nobody uh, not everybody have that so I'm very fortunate that I I you know I'm pretty good with faces and names and um, and I think um, I try to do that as much as I can because I think it's it, it, it speaks to like a basic human need as well to feel um, you know uh, what, what's the word um, to feel not recognize um, 
like when someone uh, notice you and, and like even just yeah, say I think hi. Recognize is pretty yeah, good. Like you like yeah. your like there's awareness of you. Awareness, yeah, mm. yeah. Because the, the worst thing is like if you you just kind of like be around strangers and nobody uh, even recognize that you're here. You know, I think as a human being, you like you love it when uh, we. I love it when people even on the street, you know, strangers like smiling at me or saying hi. I don't know them, but being recognized that I am walking and seeing this person is um, to me is a very human thing. Uh, we just mm. want to be recognized as a I'm a person, you know, you, 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 you see me, you, you know, I see you kind of thing, you know. Definitely. That's that whole thing. I see you. I you know? see it. We don't want to be seen. It's probably know, why that, that term has gotten so much momentum lately. Like, yeah. I see you. It's in movies. You know, yeah. that kind of, it's because people want to be seen. Like, people there's an innate human need. Everything's moving digital. Everything's, like, remote. And you want to feel like, actually, human interaction being recognized by someone knowing my name is actually of great value for, for it, me it right? is well I, that's how i feel that's why mm. i try to as much as possible remember as much you know names and people's faces most of the time and just you know say their names i sometimes do get it wrong uh, and I, you know when it happens i just apologize but i think when i get it right like i i do feel like people are really appreciative about that because you know like you said you know we just gone through COVID, everything was online. It feels like we just um, kind of disappear for a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. like a bit, you know, it feels, a bit, we feel a bit invincible. Mm -hmm. And I think being in a place and with other humans, uh, it's, it's getting very philosophical. This no, talk, but, no, not at but all. But you know what I mean? It's like good. It, Let's go deep on it. I yeah, it just feels good. like, you know, I want to be seen like I'm here. I, do you see me kind of thing, you know? Um, do you, yeah, I keep, there's a word for it. Yeah, I know, you know, I'm, you know I mean? I've got it too, but it's not going to come to me. I'm giving yeah. up. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel that at the very least, that's what I can do every day when I see people here in the space. Um, uh, you know, you mentioned about being friendly and, you know, and all of that. And I, I try my best with that as well because, yeah, people sometimes just need a little bit of that, um, a little bit of that energy, you know, it's, it's energy as well, isn't it? Like, I think it was in physics that say, you can't really get rid of energy. They just kind of transform into something else. And it's like, yeah, uh, the least that I can do is come up to someone, say their name, say hi, smile, and give this positive energy. Because putting that effort, that yeah. little bit of extra effort. Yeah, that's a very small part of their day, but at least that's what I can do for them. Like, you know, mm. I might not be able to fix all of their problems, obviously. And I think maybe it comes from my, you know, lived experience as a founder, knowing that, oh my God, like it's tough. This is really t tough. The um, you know? people are having regular shitty days. Yeah. <laughs> I was shitty. wondering if I can say shitty. You can definitely say shitty. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is really tough shit. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna, you know, um, be delusional enough to think that I can help everyone, you know, with their problems and issues. I'm gonna be a small part of their day, but at least if that's what I can do, why not, right? I love it. Well, you do it very well, Kenny, and it's, it is very appreciated. I, I don't know how much feedback you get, but you do do it really, really well. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk startups then. Mm. And before we get 
too far into what specifically your startup uh, is and was and does. Mm. Um, can I ask why you decided to become a founder to begin yeah. with? Great question, Mike. Yeah, I'm going why? the tough one straight <laughs> off the, oh off the God, top. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's um, how far how far back do we want to go? But I think um, is yeah. uh, maybe I'll reframe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you? Is there a moment or like a, a period in your life that you can think about? that encouraged you to become a founder? Like that could be a time frame. It might be yeah. just when you finish school. It could be something that your parents did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, was there yeah. was there a motivator that you can pinpoint yeah. that kind of made you go, yep, I'm going to yeah. give that a crack? That's, that's, that, that's a good framing. So I think, you know, since, a, since early, you know, days, um, both of my parents are not um, uh, entrepreneurs. They're both like your typical professional my dad was in the same job for like 35 years until he you know retired that kind Mm -hmm. of thing uh so i grew up grew up seeing them you know um going to work every day that kind of thing um but even as a child like i get comments from my mom my my aunties and things like that that oh you're like very i think the words they use in, in indonesian is something around resourceful or resilient something like that I've got great ideas. You'd be one of those people who would, you know, uh, raise your hands in the in the in the classroom. And in Indonesia, that's not common. I don't know if you know that. Oh. Like here, people are like, "Oh, I've got a question." You know, yeah, in Indonesia, okay. like in a in a classroom, people don't ask questions because the moment you do, everyone's gonna look at you and they're like, "Are you trying to win favors from the teacher or something?" And the teacher also hate it because they're like, "Oh, I have to explain something." It's like the, a little bit tall poppy and a little bit like culturally just oh, don't raise don't. questions. So this is not what the never, class is for. People do, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I would probably be one of those people be like, oh, can I just ask a question? I don't know. And then uh, that kind of like early on and then I just see opportunities, um, you know, to make like uh, what do you call it, pocket money Okay. as a child. Oh, you saw those opportunities. See, you always had an yeah, eye for this. Okay. I, I used yeah, yeah, to yeah. make, I don't know if you remember, and this will tell, tell people my age, uh, when we have those um, uh, bracelets made out of um, uh, toothbrushes. I don't know if you know that. Oh. So you melt toothbrush, like the Oral-B uh, colorful one, the nice one, yeah, okay. and you make it into bracelets. I used to make those and sell them to my friends, <laughs> and and cool. because I'm creative as well, I like to make things. So, um, in Indonesia, it's very humid and, and very hot. So I used to paint, um, you know, Kenny from South Park. Yep. And made them into little hand fans with like the and the, <laughs> the handle is a lolly um, uh, ice cream um, handles. Okay. You know, what do you call them? Yeah, icy handle. pole. Like yeah, icy pole, like the the wooden handle. Oh, so okay. I, yeah, and then I saw it into this laminated, uh, you know, this big of Kenny from South Park. That is crazy. Me, Kenny. Right? That, okay, I see the parallel. Makes sense. If you're gonna choose a character, <laughs> yeah, choose the Kenny. Exactly, and it's like you know, obviously, it's easier to yeah. And I I make like tons of them at home. So these were like ice. What, what were the, what was their function? What did they uh, do? A hand fan, like hand fans. Fan. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Because Indonesia's super hot. Yeah. Everyone needs a hand fan. Easy. Yeah, exactly. You, you get the visual, right? Yeah. Right. I I couldn't find a photo of it, but yeah, I remember like that was probably one of my earliest entrepreneurship kind of uh, venture and yeah I, 
it's sold like, you know, hotcakes. Like mm. everyone wanted one. Peak South Park era. Yeah. Kenny fans. Basically, all of my friends at school, they're like, oh, I want one. And I made so much money because uh, <laughs> it, it literally was just like a piece of paper and, you know, icy poles. Um, yeah, and, and so that was probably one of the earliest one that I remember. But I've always been that person who's like, oh, you know, I can do this. I can do this. Like, there's an opportunity here, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I didn't really, yeah. And then I think toward, uh, throughout university, um, you know, when I, I came here to study uh, to Melbourne in um, 2003. Um, so that, that was like moving from having from Indonesia. born in Indonesia, moving to Melbourne, yes. studying at uni, yeah. huge life changing. Huge life changing. Like, uh, incredible change. It was an incredible change. So. Uh, you know, in Indonesia, we don't speak English, for those who don't know that. Um, you know, I, I learned my English pretty much from watching The Simpsons and uh, Friends. And I, I say Amazing. this to everyone because <laughs> when I, my first part-time job here in Australia was in Macca's. And I was serving people and they always say, like, oh, which part of the States are you from? Ah, and I'm like, funny. Uh, and I'm like, what do you mean? Um, you're from the USA, right? You've got this <laughs> accent. I'm like, no, I'm Indonesian. And I keep thinking about it. And I'm like, why do I have an uh, American accent? And lots of Indonesian does. It's because of Hollywood. It's because of, of TV shows. Yeah. And back when, uh, back in my days, the only TV shows that aren't dubbed in Indonesian is Friends and The Simpsons. Ah, so, so that's how it. I learned English is from Homer and... Yeah, so if it had have been neighbours, you would have come over to Australia being like, good day, mate. Pretty much, yeah. Mate. Yeah, okay, so love I it. I didn't realise how formative that was, but anyway. Um, so you, your family members had recognised that you had that attribute early yes. on and kind of labelled that to you as well. You yeah. kind of said, look, you're someone who can make things, create things and yeah. a little bit business-minded. They'd seen that relationship um, yeah. and that had probably given you some sort of like self-backing or realization that i can create things and mm. sell things hey i'm kind of this makes me different this is, i'm good at this yeah yeah exactly that and yes yeah, i was saying i think throughout university uh you know i came here to study um and uh just with my friends we started things together i think one of the one of the uh, pretty good one that we did was um uh an event organizer company actually that was one oh, of the first like time. event planning yeah event business. planning business yeah it was okay. four of us cool. four girls we call it serendipity because we oh, kind of met each other in a serendipitous way that's very cute it's like a very that. kind of like uh sex in the city kind of like yeah pretty much a friendship <laughs> kind of like girls but anyway <laughs> i'm not gonna get drinking into cosmos you know just having chats <laughs> and stuff fantastic uh the sisterhood that we had but we you know, do events uh, quite okay, successfully. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember Metro Nightclub. Oh, I sure do. That yeah. den of iniquity. <laughs> I know. I spent too much time in that place. <laughs> yeah, we, we did an event there and we had like over a thousand people um, wow. attended. So it was pretty good, right? And we make uh, quite a bit of money from that. It was kind of riding on the back of, um, you know, the American Idol stuff. We did, oh, we did cool. like an Idol kind of... Um, program but for Indonesians here 
Ah, so your niche, you knew like niche it down. Yeah, niche it down. Indonesians are down with karaoke, down with yes. wanting to be singing superstars. Yeah. Let's lean into that. And also mm. because there's so much talent in, in, the, in the community. Um, mm. Back when I was uh, in uni and, you know, Indonesians are very tight, tightly knit, um, lots of student clubs or uh, events and everything. It's very like underground, like I think people in general don't know about this, but if you're Indonesian, you would know, it would be all over it. Like people would go like, thousands of people will go to each event that kind of thing right. it's massive um i don't know if it's still happening now but obviously i'm a bit removed from that now but yeah we, that's what we used to do um and yeah so that's probably one of my first ventures as well that you know but yeah i guess um it made a bit of money it made it, a bit of money it was you got thousands of people like a thousand Basically, people to an event is a big tick yeah okay cool. and i actually uh, it's another random thing i did uh, I directed a movie yeah. with a friend <laughs> What? and um, uh, with uh, three of us, so a producer and uh, we're co-directors um, and yeah and it was, it was kind of like a random thing as well because uh, the producer was the one who came up with the uh, seed of an idea but I wrote the script uh, with him and then uh, it was about again um, Indonesian students uh, finishing up their studies in Australia and they were like in a, um, they're deciding whether or not, you know, what should they do next, like uh, stay here, go okay. back home, all of those things. And if I watch it again today, I think I'll cringe uh, <laughs> very hard. Yeah. But that time I was in uni, uh, finishing up my master's degree, it was, I didn't have any film background or anything, um, but it was such a kind of like, yeah, again, tightly knit community, and we we actually filmed it in Capitol Theatre, you know, RMIT. I love that yeah. little uh, amazing, arcade. Amazing place, right? Yeah, I still wander through there, and I think it's such a shame that it's it kind of it, it got a little bit tired and stuff. It does, but it seems it? like they're looking at it again to bring it up. They do, yeah. I love that spot. But the theatre, yeah, I think it, we had like a thousand people watch the movie there, mm. and then we brought it to Perth and Sydney again through Indonesian cl uh, student clubs. Uh, we had some audience there and we even filmed it back in Indonesia in a, in a proper cinema. So wow, for, Kenny, you know, incredible for story. someone who didn't know anything about film and I think I, still uh, if I watch it today, it will be pretty cringy. But mm. what I'm trying to say is back then, I think it was quite an interesting topic for it, it's a related, relate, relatable um, themes for a lot of uh, of my the audience Got it. back then, you know, still still most relevant then so maybe if you yeah, watched it now you'd be like these themes are less relevant mm. now but probably like those underlying cultural themes of, of that were in there probably yeah. still work you probably. know that's what that's yeah. what brought those people together and they wanted mm. to watch this together and okay very interesting yeah. so you did that you'd had a few kind of a little few runs under your belt i guess mm. you could say you'd, you'd tried different things over your time and mm. they'd been successful and so how did you get to the point of exploring tourism yeah. specifically? Yeah, so um, what happened was I, um, I think 2012, I decided, okay, I want to go back to Indonesia because I've got uh, parents who are, you know, who needs me there mm -hmm. and they've pretty much nudged me to come back home. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. You know, uh, youngest child, only daughter kind of thing. Like, what are you doing? all the way there in Australia, come back home. Mm -hmm. It's a very cultural thing, I think, um, for them to expect me to come back home. And I'm like, okay, sure, I'll go back home. 
and I remember I had a job lined up and everything but I was like I'm just gonna travel a little bit before I start my job mm -hmm. um, I went traveling with a couple of friends and we went to uh, traveling in Indonesia Indonesia mm. yeah Indonesia and I think it was that was probably if you ask me like what's that one thing that made you kind of like okay that's you know travel business um, I think traveling in Indonesia after being away for almost uh, a decade you know um, coming back to Indonesia having that perspective being abroad for a while that gave me like a really fresh perspective to what the Indonesian you know uh, tourism can um, can offer uh, but it was also quite a very um, personal thing because uh, we went to this place called Solo, which is in central Java, and the driver that we we got, like we booked, uh, was this um, older gentleman um, called Pak Bimo, and he was just a really nice Javanese. I don't know if you've, <laughs> if you've met a Javanese man, like he's they're very polite, you know, um, and. You know, we had him sit with us uh, when we were in the restaurant and everything, and he told us that actually, because uh, we booked him through like an agency or whatever, but we didn't just realize that he's had his own business, which is this kind of a car service thing. Okay. And upon like talking to him, he mentioned that oh, I actually have like five different websites, uh, and this is like you know, again, just an older gentleman. And he was just like, yeah, I've managed this five different websites. Um, you know, that's how I try to get business. I, I, you know, every day I would summarize news from places and put it on my website because someone told me that's how you get better Google search results. Wow. You know, those kind of things. This and guy was a gamer. He I was, was like, like, I was sitting there eating my food and I'm like, what? Sorry, what did you say? <laughs> you know, I was really surprised and I was like, okay, totally. Because at first it was just like, oh, what, how long have you been doing this? Like it was a casual conversation. And then as, uh, you know, the more I asked him about it, he was like, oh, this guy's like amazing. Cause, and then um, we were like, uh, I said, I'm, I'm a marketer, you know, uh, my background. Uh, can I help you with anything? And he was like, actually, yes, please. And so he brought his uh, little laptop, like, you know, the tiny laptop. Mm. Um, and he had this dongle for internet. And this was like 2012. So this was like Indonesia. Central Java, it was quite unusual that this yeah. person have all of these things. Yeah. And he just kind of like learned it himself, like ask people about it. He didn't go to courses, universities, he didn't have a start space, you know? No. He just figured it out himself. And I was like sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, like this how did, amazing. this is amazing. <laughs> and I was just so, I was just so surprised. And that kind of, I think made me feel like, oh my God, like, you know, Indonesians are so, you know, can be very resilient and resourceful, you know? Sure. You know, and I'm just like, oh my God, there's so many other people like you in Indonesia. There's 250 million people in Indonesia. Imagine like so many of these, you know, people there uh, that's just trying to do their best. And, you know, that kind of made me um, think like, oh my God, you know, that, that moment. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't start my business right away since then. I did actually work for a... Um, of MCG company starts with U, uh, ends with R. <laughs> okay, and big a big dog, <laughs> big one. And um, um, I uh, was in marketing, but uh, I got seconded to a sales division, and my job was to take care of this um, partner 
uh, who are distributors. So, so they, they've got a warehouse mm -hmm. and they've got salesmen working for them and all of that. And in my role there, it feels a little bit more like a business owner. Because oh, I was like okay. managing, I, I wasn't the business owner, but I was helping the business owner to manage that business yeah, uh, okay. day to day. And that kind of gave me a perspective like, oh, wow, like this is how it feels to be a business owner um, in Indonesia. I was like, this is really cool. I think I can do this. And again, working with all of the salesmen, like uh, it's probably going to be a long story if I tell everyone about this. But yeah, going with them to their every morning, they all have to you know, drive their motorbikes to all of these stores, uh, small mom and pop stores, mm -hmm. get their orders on this like device. It's very complicated, but they just they memorize everything because you know it's. Uh, and I was just like, drive. Uh, um, they take me to all of these um, sales uh, trips. What were they? What were these businessmen selling? What was the? Well, it was a variety of different yeah, variety. retail. So the, I'll just say Unilever, right? Unilever yeah. has like maybe thousands of SKUs. Of course. Right? Okay, so these are like these are like almost yeah. little reps within the business. They, yeah, yeah. Stocking the local suppliers. Basically, yeah, their okay. local local area suppliers, right? Everything and from like warungs to like, is it like the whole bit like warung? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, the small warungs that they're literally like tiny. They they um. So yeah, you go to them and say, hey, you know, you uh, you would have like a regular journey trip per per person. Like Got every it. Monday, you go to this person. You know, five people. Every Tuesday you go to this one, like mm -hmm. you, you would have that already, like sales beats kind of like better down. Got it. Uh, so you would already know these people. You'd be like, hey, Mike, you know, how are you going? What can I get you today? Kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, I need this three more shampoo bottles. Got I it, need, got you it. know, and the thing is, sometimes these businesses, they don't even know what the SKUs are. They just say like, oh, I need the blue one and the small bottle. Cool, cool. <laughs> the guy's got to kind of interpret it and be like, oh, I know that. That's our menthol plus Basically. edition toothpaste. <laughs> and they have to like, you know, it's like a little device where they have to find the SKU and it's like cut off so they don't even, can't read the whole thing. They need to memorize the number. It's just like a very clunky <laughs> system. Challenging. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, you know. Uh, but they're all very entrepreneurial as well. Like they, you know, some people they're like, Oh, these are new stores. I need to convince them to buy from me, you know. And they went in, and you know, they try to, you know, do their sales stock and everything. And I was just like, wow, okay. So again, I got really close with the salesman, and then I was just like, wow, these guys, they're, they're really, really, you know, resource resourceful. I think is, again the word. And I was just so inspired by all the, I guess the. I would say, you know, the working class, you know, in Indonesia. A working class hustle. Hustle, yeah, mm. that hustle, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So I was just like, wow, you know. So when I, um, uh, I think there were some triggers in my job that made me think like, okay, I don't really want to go back to marketing again and do, you know, what I did. And I just like, I think I want to, it was a very spontaneous decision. I think I was told one day, oh, you need to go back to marketing because we, we need you again. And oh, within, the, yeah. within Unilever, yes. they were like, we're switching you out back to this department that you Basically. thought you were free of. Yeah, you know, let's put you back I was there. just seconded for <clears throat> like three Got months. It. But Got after it. two months, they were like, we need you. We need more people come back. And I was just like, oh, oh, oh. You know, wait. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't <laughs> this what is I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I was just like, okay, I think um, that's the moment that I resigned because I, I thought like, I don't think mm. I can... 
I don't think I, I can see myself doing this for, you know, 15, 20 more years and, you know, um, I don't think I want to do that, you know, so I was like, I think I'm going to step back and resign um, and I think that sales experience and, you know, all of these, that kind of gave me the the courage that, you know, uh, or, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's the courage, but it's more like, yeah, you can do this. You know? so, so that was a very big decision to make. How old were you then, Kenny? I was 2014, uh, 29, I think. Yeah, so yeah. that's a big yeah. call. That's like saying, I'm ready to terminate this career out of the blue. Basically. I put in all this time to study this. I got the big job at the big cat, mm-hmm. and I'm going to actually walk away from this. So mm. how did you... How did you make that decision just out of interest? Was that yeah. something you just introspectively worked through your own stuff and came up with that? Or yeah. did you seek outside input? What was the process there? Given that you're, I can imagine your parents going, Kenny, you're crazy. Don't you <laughs> dare leave this job. Basically, that was my mom. Like She was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Well, the thing was, I think it was very spontaneous. I think I wasn't, I wish I had put more thought into it. I didn't. It was kind of a knee jerk kind of like I don't want to go back to that you know yeah um, <laughs> you know nothing against that that world because sure. I think I, I've got lots of people who are lots really great marketers who in Unilever they're now like I ad- admire their journeys because mm-hmm. they're they're just really great I don't think I'm fit for that so I thought like I don't think I'm gonna do this for you know another 10-15 years or yeah. anything like that yeah. so um it was just like a spontaneous decision. So you made the decision. I Kenny did. just went, I didn't you know even what? ask anyone. I didn't We're done. Kenny Basically, out. I didn't, yeah. I wish I asked someone. I didn't. <laughs> I, I did not. Like, I think I, I had that thing. Like, I was just like, I, th- I don't want to do it. And I oh. maybe mentioned my mom uh, to my mom because, you know, I was living with my parents. And I was like, I don't think I want to go back, you know. And But my parents, knowing me, when I already say something, they there's nothing they can say to convince, unconvince me of something. Mm. Like you're a little bit uh, stubborn. Kenny, I am. Yeah, maybe. I can yep. be. I can mm-hmm. be. Another founder attribute. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, poor, poor mom and dad. We just kind of like sat there. And <laughs> you like, got it from them. It's their fault. Don't worry. <laughs> My mom was like, are you sure? This is a, you know, it's a really good job. You know, it's got really good career ahead of you. Mm. It's probably, you know, one of the top employers in Indonesia, like people line up to want to get to Unilever. Big, big job. Mm. And I, I was very lucky to be part of that, but I was like, I don't think I can do this for, you know, a long time. So why, why should I do, why should I stay, you know? Um, yeah. So out of nowhere, I just made that decision. I resigned. Everybody was shocked. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I think I did burn a few bridges. Like I, I wish I, I didn't, but I did burn a few bridges. Mm-hmm. I think I could have handled it well, better. Yeah, I just did it, and then I, um, I think I, I called um, Bridges professionally. Professionally, mm. yeah, because I, I I probably should have uh, not like be so abrupt in my departure. I should have, um, you know, spoke to a few people about it, letting them know first. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think I just basically um, resigned and then didn't even come back mm-hmm. you know? got it yeah you were done terminated I was done I was mm-hmm. done and some people I think got the wrong message they, they thought like it was because of a because a particular person uh, or anything like that got it. reading into it yeah because of something I've mentioned to my dad 
Mm. I mentioned something to my dad about a particular person, and um, it wasn't about that person, but my dad mentioned it to my auntie, who was right. Got through the grapevine, you know, and then suddenly it became like a. She was a. She yeah, was a. Okay. She was in Unilever as well. So then people started thinking it was because of that, and I'm like, no, it wasn't that. But by that time, it's too late. The the horse is yeah, bolted. People have made up their own minds about why you left, no matter exactly. what you're going to say. <laughs> and yeah, if you're watching, if you're listening, like it's not about a particular person. It wasn't yeah. you. It wasn't you. I'm Don't sorry, worry. but it wasn't you. Uh, I have no problem with that person. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, yeah, some people maybe wasn't happy with the way I left, but sure. uh, and I own it. Like I, I should have done better than that. Um, but yeah, it just so, happened. So you're out, you're done. Yeah. How are you feeling about your decision early stages? Yeah. You're feeling free. You're feeling worried. Uh, Were you feel like I what was, was the? I was quite anxious, but also mm. I think a few days before I actually uh, had in the resignation. I've already started talking to a friend about this travel business. And, and again, yeah. remind me, the, the spark of the travel business, you'd been traveling, yeah. you'd love the experience, yes. you'd re-recognize that Indonesia is a place of paradise and it has unique treasures to offer tourism. Mm. You'd, you'd kind of rediscovered your own, almost like your cultural identity by doing that travel. Yeah. And that had sparked something where you'd gone, this has promise for me. You'd met this Jav- Javanese dude and you're like, Indonesian people are super, super entrepreneurial. I can be that entrepreneurial. Mm. I can back myself. You quit your job. You've got all these kind of things working together. And then how did you move forward? What was the next step to create some sort of startup? I think it was just a conversation with a friend who became my co-founder. And she's come from a family of entrepreneurs. Like her family is like... Literally, everyone's an entrepreneur. Yep. Uh, and her one of their family businesses is a, a travel company, and we become good oh. friends when we were uh, both studying here in Melbourne. So we saw again, saw each other again in Indonesia. We're in the same community, that kind of thing, uh, same friendship. So we just been talking a little bit, not for long. Like it wasn't like months of like, oh, how about we do this kind of thing. It was maybe like a few conversations, and we're like, okay. maybe you know, oh. Because uh, I'm probably, I can't even remember, maybe I've mentioned that I wanted to, you know, quit my, my job and do something. And maybe she was like, oh, do you want to... Kenny's got skills. Basically, we were like, <laughs> you know, that kind of moment. Kenny's uh, free. Uh, you know, should we should we do something together yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, and, cool. And then it was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, you know. There was no one saying it's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, we both, no. This is great, this is great, let's Basically, go. Basically, we both cool. were like super optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, she, uh, she and I were really good friends. I really love her. We both were very different in a way that our skills that we, we bring to the business are completely right. like not a lot of overlap between what we do. I'm kind of the creative one. I'm the people person, going out kind of person. Um, marketing, branding, design, that kind of thing is my thing. And she's the accounting finance person. She used to be a manager, of accounting manager in Coles or something like that. Like she's very like a numbers person, very, you know, um, what do you call it? Like structured and everything. Got it. Um, so yeah, we were, we, we both, respect each other because you know I don't think I can do what she does and she always say like you know I can't do what you do so we're both like okay we need each other yeah (laughs) so it was a really good kind of like um 
Yeah. On paper, it seemed good because you were filling in gaps in each other's skill sets, which is kind of, that seems like a smart thing to do if you're going to get a co-founder. If you're not great at the accounting, get someone who's good at the finances, you know, that that sort of thing. Yeah. And also the more important thing also, we we respect each other Mm. because we know each other from here in Melbourne. We weren't like best friends or anything in, in Melbourne. But I know her, and she knows me, and we both are were involved in. You know, we, we used to go to the same church together, and we, we are involved in like events at church uh, that we lead. And I I've seen her uh, work ethic from there. Likewise, she's seen me lead these events and everything, and she knows my capability from that. So we both kind of like seen each other do things from a, a bit of a, a distance. And we know like, oh, she's really good. And like, I think we both feel the same about each other. Hopefully she does. But I think that's what she said to me as well. So we we both had like this respect, I think. And it's very important. Wolves recognize wolves, Kenny. (laughs) That's what was going on there. (laughs) Looking across like, you get me. I get get, you. You're a hard worker. Exactly. You want to go places. Yeah. I don't think we've, you know, nowadays we, we, you know, obviously I know, oh, co-founder, you know, what's it? things that you want to tick, you know, out of these, you know, finding your co-founder and uh, you need to have that conversation about values. You need to have that conversation around shareholder agreement, all of these formalities. Like we didn't have any of those. Uh, but looking back, I think I feel like, oh, yeah, we, we kind of did kind of suss each other out that way. And because we see our values kind of like align, that's why we, we, we jumped into it, mm. you know, even though it's looked like it was like a spontaneous you know oh we should do it kind of thing but it was like um in the making for a while you didn't just meet this person yesterday and decide to do that you had a feeling about each other you'd been familiar with each other's work we have yeah yeah, okay so even though it might not have been a like a written formalized vision alignment purpose alignment type thing you felt confident enough that you got each other well enough to consider co-founding yeah and she's She's an amazing, kind uh, friend. At many times, she's always like, you know, first and foremost, we're friends, and um, and you know that that sometimes it's can be complicated as well being friends with your co-founders, <laughs> right? Definitely. But she's the type that would be like, hey, like at the end of the day, like you're more important than this business. You know, if you need to take time, like you should, like this shouldn't, you know, keep you back or anything like that. Like you need to uh, think about you your health and you know all of those things like i'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute but the relationship yeah but she's that kind of person so i think um i yeah looking back uh she was more than my my co-founder she was so supportive um understanding that this is like a really big kind of journey for me personally you know she's got the she's still part of the company uh the, the family um business um so the way we structure it again not like a shareholder agreement. Oh, her family business she's still yeah, involved she's in. in there yeah. yeah so that's her main job and so their family her family comes from tourism like yes. they that they understand that's one it. of one of their businesses right but they, they get it they they're get obviously it. these aren't freshmen no. and you would have thought okay if i'm going to partner with someone yeah. and they've also got deep experience in yes. that category another big tick exactly yeah, yeah. yeah they come from like a more traditional kind of travel agencies you know the type that has like you know, lines of like people taking calls and people wanting gotcha. to book 
tickets and you know a lot of the logistics of flights and planning and bookings and reorganizing things when people bail out and basically they've got staff you know every day you know making calls of bookings and you know have all of the industry ticks and you know those kind of things yeah so i know that's where she's coming from you know so what she wanted to do was as the you know the next generation of her business family business she wanted to explore a different way of doing travel right but she still need to be in that family business full-time ish and uh she um is in our business for uh, like a smaller portion and but what we're able to do was to use her family business uh, facilities even all of the staff wow if we need to that's a big leg yeah. up isn't it yes cool yeah so 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 that's kind of the uh, again all of these weren't like months of planning or anything like that but it kind of just worked out because that's what she had is what she she bring to the table but because she's not going to be full time in, in this travel business that we've got, um, I've got like more of a majority kind of share to her basically in that sense. But she um, bring in all of these knowledge from her business um, as well as all of the staff that if we need it. Basically. Great. Yeah. Great. So yeah. you decide to launch this business. Uh, maybe just pitch to me like if i'm a prospective customer yep. why would i want to use your this particular company over other offerings what did yeah, it what did it offer absolutely. um well i think um i think one of the problems i don't know we're not talking about the, the the challenges yet but one of the challenges in this business is i always try to be too many things um and i always still struggle until today and how to explain it in um concise way but basically the it's you, you use the word startup before um, and to me startup is something with um, you know something innovative something quite different and we are a little bit different from travel agencies but we're not like breakthrough innovation like you know we're a little bit different in terms of um, we don't do like two template um, templates kind of trap tra- of travel. Uh, a lot of travel agencies, they literally just have like all these templated uh, trips. I go to the waterfall, yeah, go to the temple, do the thing. I don't know if you've been to in thing. one of those group, group travel things. Yeah, I, I never have, but I'm very familiar with them. Yeah, so, so I always pitch it as like, uh, we're a, a boutique travel company. We give you customized um, itineraries based on what you want, you know? Cool. Um, something like that. Like a curated experience. Curated experience and mm. like to places that are a little bit more unknown. You know, something Not along Kuda. that line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I think it's about like um, showcasing, I always use these words around showcasing the Indonesia that you should see kind of mm. around that, you know, because acknowledging that everybody wants to go to Bali and I love Bali. I, I go to Bali all the time as well. But you need, you should also go beyond Bali, because um, do you know how many islands we have in Indonesia? If you had to guess, oh, I Just feel like guess. there's like I'm gonna really this wild guess and say there's like fifty. Okay, yeah, a bit more than that. <laughs> Lots more. <laughs> yeah, it's seventeen thousand five hundred and eight. Whoa! Islands. Um, Hence the on... archipelago. <laughs> yeah. 
That is... And that's based on, what, a CIA fact book or something like that. So I don't know if wow. that's completely, you know, fact-checked. But there is a lot of islands in Indonesia. Wow. We have few major islands, and probably a few major islands are more than 10, you know. Uh, and these are, some islands are probably, you know, as big as New Zealand kind of thing. Um, but we, we just have so many. And Amazing. people only know Bali, <laughs> and they don't know all of these things. Like you go from one end to, of Indonesia to the other, and it's complete. It feels like a completely different country. People speak different languages. People look different. Right. People have different um, food. Uh, they speak differently. Different culture and all of these things, right? But even I, as an Indonesian person born in Indonesia, I didn't even know that mm-hmm. until I, I came back to Indonesia. Um, after that, uh, after living here in Australia, and um, so to me that makes me think like, oh my God, there's so much to explore, and of course there's already been so many travel agencies in Indonesia, but all of them are lacking this kind of fresh, kind of fresh uh, energy. Yeah. Like it's a little bit bland, a little bit Very like templated. tired. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe older generation kind of do that. Um, and I think domestic travel in Indonesia, this was like 2012, 2014. It was kind of like just okay. Like some people do domestic travel, but people who can afford going internationally, they would prefer go internationally. Mm. Um, there isn't a lot of love for like domestic travel. This, this company is targeted at Indonesians mm. we, primarily or? Both Indonesians and this is where you can see the challenge of this thing right this is i'm trying to do too much because i have this um uh the main part is um customized trips for people from outside of indonesia who wants to visit indonesia like but like pockets of places that are hard to reach sure Um, i can see the demand international tourists wanting to go places outside of bali experience the true authentic indonesia have a unique holiday that they can come home and say i did something truly different yeah it's fantastic we've had people from america you know europe australians mostly i would be your target audience for that yeah i don't want to just go to bali all the time exactly uh but very niche very you know very hard to find these people but yeah, yeah when we find the right people they love it mm, right they'd be willing to pay too because it's yeah, special experience exactly unique. yeah mm. yeah very high value customers um but then you have i also have kind of domestic travel people and it was uh people from uh, mainly from jakarta who were like so bored of jakarta you know if you've been to jakarta it's like a massive massive uh, metropolitan city everyone's overworked um, you know on the weekends people just go to malls and stay there all day people are sick of it mm. and so the, so there is like this generation of people who are um, starting to do well in their careers they've got money to spend they don't have the time to go internationally because uh, you know getting annual leave is so difficult in Indonesia uh, so they are like, okay, every weekend, like maybe I should do something interesting and not the weekend, it. right? Yeah, yeah, kind of thing, it. or even like if it's a long weekend, three days or something. Right? T- two totally disparate target audiences. They they couldn't be further could, removed from each other, yeah. right? But po- both could be serviceable by this business, Absolutely. and hence your if, challenge. <laughs> if I just have chosen one and like stick with it, I'll probably be in a better I don't know, uh, place. But 
there's another part of the business I haven't spoken about at all, which was the, the money-making one, is this, this um, uh, business customers, so B2B travel oh. customers. So there's a cost, um, this group of people um, who are uh, corporates needing travel products. So that could be, um, they do this a lot in Indonesia. I don't know if you do it here. Like they take all of their employees somewhere and do like a, a weekend. Like a junket. We yeah, call them like a media yeah. junket or something. Basically, and we call it like conference or like yeah. an um, outing or something like that. Got it. And they pay, they, you know, it's a opportunity for them to splurge, you know, give them all of these gifts and everything, stay at a very nice five-star hotel, you mm-hmm. know, those kind of things. And, you know, when I was in Unilever, we do that every year for every team, you know. Uh, it's a way to give give back to your staff, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, once a year. So so there is a big market on that. Like, by the way, Indonesia is so big that even if it's like a small niche thing, it could be big because it's just yeah, the population is really big. Yeah, you only need one of these Yeah, and I was a small business. A part it, was, of it. it was literally just me and my business partner. And I think at some point I had like two two full time full time staff working for me, not from my my co founder's business, mm-hmm. but it was a, we're a small small team, and uh, so yeah we uh, we make lots of money doing those things. Uh, we also do what we call um, uh, um, prize trips or something like that, where uh, there's like this really popular um, radio station in Asia that gives out prizes uh, for their uh, listeners to go to see a concert a concert overseas so for example ah, cool. um, we did one with Ariana Grande not Ariana Grande herself but as in we uh, they gave out uh, packages for people to go to Ariana Grande um, concert so we uh, so I think they had two winners and the one of the DJs uh, so I took them to New York to see oh, Ariana. Wow. Oh, cool. Big <laughs> prize. Huge prize. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, stay and ticket and, like, food. And we we went to all of the touristy places in New York, that kind of thing. Oh, so you had an all... Uh, that included as part of the prize an itinerary of, yes. like, a, a curated exploration yeah. of New York sort of thing. Exactly. Wow. So that kind of thing. But mm. we did a few with Unilever as well, like, you mm-hmm. know, marketing. They like to do those things, like, oh, collect... 10 of these packages, you know, for the chance to win one of these trip to Bangkok or, okay, you know, it. those kind of things. Um, that's the, the B2B side of the business. Um, that kind of was born maybe a year or two into the business that I was building um, because we were like, oh, there's an opportunity here to make pretty easy money actually mm. on that. Um, and it was because I've got the connections or to like the marketing people. Yes, yeah, so you hadn't totally different. burnt your bridges there. Like, <laughs> I didn't. There, there was still inroads to still. sell your new business to your exactly. existing employer, and you were selling. Yeah, I was. I was literally. I got business just by going to cafes, and they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, Kenny's oh, here. Kenny? What's up, Kenny? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, yeah, here's exactly my price card. What happened? <laughs> I was just like, "Hi, you know, how you oh, doing? You know, oh, I haven't seen you in a That's while. So good. You're doing travel, right?" Yes, I am. You know what? I need your number because I've got oh, this project. Man, so good. I'm going to email you. Can you do this for us? And I'm like, yes, I can. And in Indonesia, we've got this expression called palugada. I don't know if you've heard palugada. it. Palugada. It's, it's short for 
apa yang lu mau, gua ada. Which is basically means whatever you want, I have it. Right. Right. That's that's cool. As there's a lot of syllables in that. I, I won't try and repeat that, no, but no, I no. like the I like the, the, meaning. the meaning's fantastic. It's a very Whatever you need, thing. I got this. Yeah, basically, in Indonesia, like you go to a shop and you're like, "Hey, do you have like, I don't know, this cable that looks like this or something?" They might not have it, but they're like, "Okay, do you, can you wait for five minutes?" And they make a call. Yeah, and like right, someone right. from another Push shop bike comes down. Yo, yo, I, I got, got the. Yeah, okay, yeah, got so it. So that mentality that when you're presented with an opportunity, you never uh, reject it because got it. find a way to find a way to uh, supply it. Like you know, but because demand uh, opportunity is too precious to let go. Is this why? I'm just going to interject yeah. a little bit here um kenny yes. so this makes a lot of sense to me having visited indonesia a number of times mm-hmm. specifically to the bali area there's i've always found that like uh shopkeepers or even the owner of the hostel if you ask them something they tend to go very very far over and above to answer a request mm. in, in in any context so whether it's like I'm having problems with my visa or I need an external HDMI cable for yeah. my monitor. There'll be this moment of like, and you can kind of see on their face them going, I don't have that. But, but then there's like, yeah. just wait a minute. <laughs> and then magically yeah. somehow it, you get that thing. Yeah. And now I understand that like, that's almost a cultural it thing. Is there's a saying for thing. it. Yeah. Wow. I think it's, it's because also people are very polite. Yeah, so polite. especially in the hospi- hospitality hospitality uh, industry, you kind of like you don't want to say no to anything. Like you know, um, even if it's outside of your scope or it's literally you can't do it, but you you really just don't want to say no to any customer. Interesting. And did, did that, do you think that cultural underlying cultural yeah. kind of thing? Did that have impact on how you ran your tourism yeah. business? Did you feel that you were going Absolutely. super over and above all the I time was. and killing yourself to do oh that? My, oh my God, Mike, yes. <laughs> now, now it's coming back to me. Uh, 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 we managed to take a break. Yeah, we're going to have Smiled to take a break. panic attack. Oh, panic attack. So it's coming back to me now because uh, by now you probably, uh, you know, have heard me ramble in the last 15 minutes about what the business was because it was just all over the place. I was trying to be too many things. Um, and it was like, you know, meeting demands, uh, you know, on that B2B side, but also, you know, all of these um, uh, B2C customers ha- having requests of like, they want to do this, they want to do that. And we go above and beyond to try to meet it. And in doing so, we just basically become nothing because it, we're not like focused enough well, how did your um, health, mm. how was your health through this process? So you've got a business, yeah. it's making money. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of all over the shop, but there's great opportunities. Mm. So you just keep pushing, right? You want to service it, you I want would. to service it. Yeah. What did, were, there, were there health implications? Were there things that you noticed about yourself where you were like, this might not be good for me long term? Absolutely. Yeah, I was, you know, we, we were making okay money, but just to cover, uh, you know, monthly, uh, you know, our monthly needs and everything. I wasn't making a lot of money and I was living with my parents, so I was very privileged to be able to do that. Um, Shout out to parents. Yeah, thank you parents for, you know... <laughs> Um, yeah, because otherwise, you know, I don't think I would be able to make rent or anything like that if I was living on my own. 
um, so I had gone from like high paying job to like basically nothing uh, so mentally it was tough as well and yeah I think um, in my circle of friends uh, they're all very entrepreneurial um, lots of my friends come from families of like business people and that kind of thing so they've like second generation third generation entrepreneurs they're they're quite well off you know those kind of thing very successful so I think I had a lot of pressure trying to make it um, because of that kind of friendships because mm. um, I you know and not to the fault of my friends obviously but I feel like I had to like show that I'm making it you know that kind of thing I was successful where I'm I'm just barely making it and I think um, mentally it was starting to take a toll uh, and I think you know you probably uh, spoke about this about like how you know my identity and the business is starting to really merge <laughs> I didn't even have a um, I didn't have a title I didn't have like you know was I a CEO was I a what CMO or whatever I was just travel people I was just I was the business basically I was walking around this is me and I think um, anything that happens to the business I feel like it's a reflection of me so whenever it's doing well I'm like I'm so good yay you know um, doing so well and when when it's struggling I'm like oh my god I'm so shit like I don't know what I'm doing what I'm doing with my life uh, I'm sure all founders you know can relate to this a little bit um, and I think um, yeah and I think just not being able to separate myself from the business is probably one of the the, the, the biggest challenge that I had back then in terms of mentally and all of that um, and I think um, yeah so, so to your and to your question uh, physically I was really tired I literally was was living out of my suitcases sometimes because I not only I, I plan and run my business and everything plan all of the trips I run them I was the tour leader because I personally wanted to do all of the at least the first trips that we do so that I get like really deep understanding of all of the places that we go uh, and being able to uh, connect with the local operators in each of the areas because I, I couldn't do it without them because I've got like a network I had like a network of people who are based locally um, who are the um, yeah the people who's gonna take us to these places and all of that uh, but you know I needed to go to these trips so that I can meet them as well so it's physically I was like traveling every day that kind of thing and maybe sound exciting and it was exciting back then but I was physically super super tired mm. <laughs> and I think mentally I was struggling because um, I remember um, there was probably a couple of instances where uh, we had a challenging customer <laughs> and we all had them challenging challenging <laughs> if you're listening it's you <laughs> but um, so so yeah so it's basically one customer is a relative of a friend um, and they uh, basically um, had a uh, we, needed a trip for for their group of friends and we organized one for them and uh, things did go wrong a little bit at that trip uh, but it was out of our control it was to do with the boat and things like that um, 
and we apologize and everything but at the end they were very adamant they want their money back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and we didn't have like a proper kind of like oh you know terms and conditions i think we had but not to the level of like what you know uh that level of detail and but i just couldn't um i think at that point i was already in on my way down in terms of my health and i didn't have the confidence to stand send up to this person and say like no we've delivered what you requested things did get you know you had some complaints but that's not enough to warrant for full refund. a full refund mm. we could maybe you know you still went on a holiday you still did stuff you, you did, did all yeah. these different activities yeah and yeah. subjectively you say you know it wasn't good okay but we did uh, everything we promised but i think yeah because i wasn't in my best condition I wasn't be I wasn't able to do that yeah. and I had this conversation with my co-founder and I said hey let's just give give this person's money back like I just I couldn't sleep for the last three days like I couldn't sleep for the last three nights because I keep thinking about it I feel like we failed um, of course it's true whatever this person says about mm-hmm. the trip like we're such a we're, we're such a, what's the word uh, imposters you know you're feeling like you're, you're when you when you're wrecked physically yeah. you don't have that confidence yeah. to go actually you know we did really well by these people i'm yeah. going to stand my ground you'd kind of you were sort of a bit browbeaten to the point where it was like we just need to just let them steamroll me dude basically, i just need to be done with this it's killing me i was yeah literally like that and yeah physically tired but mentally i was already tired as well because i've, I've been you know struggling with my personal mental health that you know i was losing confidence in myself yeah that's the big know? one right i was losing confidence myself and i was like you know what actually i think this person is right we need to give them their money back we you know i, I don't you know i was so wrecked and my co-founder she was like very understanding of where i was but she said from the business point of view we should not be giving this person's money back but because it means this much to you and I can't bear that you're you're not sleeping for the last mm. few days let's give them this person's money back just for you you know but she said in my business I've never refunded people's uh, money let alone a full refund of complete you know? <laughs> like they didn't leave the house basically <laughs> and she's like do you know this yeah. is gonna make us lose money like it's you know obviously not just a profit we we already paid everything so mm. we're going to lose money because of this. I'm like, yes, but I just, I can't deal with it. You know, when you're like, can't deal with it, just yeah, do it. You're, you're past yeah. the, the point. I was, yeah. So that was one of probably the lowest part uh, where I was like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. Like, I'm really crappy at this. Like, people are not happy. Like, one person wasn't one happy. One person complains. <laughs> but you, when you're low, everything <laughs> is like damnation. Exactly. Right? It was like just these voices even though we did all of these other trips that people were like raving about us, like all the domestic trips that we did, uh, I started talking about it earlier. It's about like creating community of like people who want meaning out of their weekends. I call it like the weekend well spent type of activity because when you come into work on Monday, people ask you like, what did you do on the weekend? And some people used to be like, oh, you know, boring went to the mall you know yeah, sure. that kind of thing and 
after the trips that I do on the weekends, we go to organic farms, like to learn about, or, you know, organic farming. We all these learning trips. We go to oh, a awesome. coffee, um, to a, an actual coffee action. plantation. Yeah, that sounds Learn fantastic. how to make coffee and like even do like cupping and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, listening from the actual farmers, you know, about their experience, like help them uh, oh, farm. That. These really wholesome experiences that we did, and people were like coming back from those trips, and they're like amazing. I, really meaningful stuff. Really meaningful stuff. I want to mm. do it again, and like so many repeat customers, people tell their friends about us like all of these really great things doesn't matter <laughs> when there's one person Just focused on the <laughs> most negative thing yeah. get stuck there exactly and I was just so down I think yeah that was probably one of the, the biggest challenges uh, challenging times yeah mm. so eventually you decided you made the decision to end the business mm -hmm. uh, or to pull out from the business right, yeah. does the business still exist yeah so right now, uh, my co-founder, um, she's decided to kind of take on the, the B2B side. Okay. You know, the one that That's, she's going to focus yeah, on that. Yeah, mm. uh, on top of her role in the, the family, family business. business. Yeah, Got it. it it's, it's got the most overlap, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, the, um, the B2C part, um, a lot of it was me, my creativity, I think, is driving that. So because I'm not there anymore, she... I don't think she wants to do that part. So it is still existing in some fragments, but technically I've kind of closed it 2018, 2019, I think, mm -hmm. right before COVID actually. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so timing was, wasn't terrible. Timing wasn't terrible. Like I, I didn't, like a few months before COVID really broke in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy yeah. timing. And if you ask me like, you know, what, what was it kind of like wrapping that up um it was kind of a haze now but i felt like i was really um down in terms of my personal well-being and health i was depressed i you know i had anxiety attacks towards kind of the end of that kind of five years of running this business five years, it was five solid. years yeah and it was solid. 10 years ago now when i started mm. uh but yeah i think over the five years, the first few years were like, ooh, really, really great. And then the last couple of years, I was really struggling with uh, depression. And in Indonesia, and Indonesia five years ago, people don't really know where to go. We don't really talk about mental health. And I think uh, one of the, I guess, silver lining coming from COVID is now everybody needs therapy and, and it's yeah. okay to go to therapy and everything. So that's great. Like I can see in Indonesia now people are openly talking about mental health and they, they, they know where to go. But this was before that. So I didn't even know that I was, I had a, I had depression and I was just struggling every day. I was like literally driving somewhere and I was just start crying out of nowhere, oh, yeah. you know, at that, mm. that level of, yeah. And I just start talking to people and just, can't contain myself and uh, I've changed from like someone who was like you see me now being happy and bubbly, like, happy, bubbly canny, talking to yeah that, I think energy. this is the, the real me but during that time I was like I didn't want to see people I've stopped going to all of my commitments I pulled away from everything I didn't want to talk to anyone I was just in my room I was you know doing the bare minimum even deciding what to wear oh, for work I couldn't, too hard I couldn't make a decision yeah I just wear the same thing every day. But it, it was that point, and I, I think 
uh, I didn't I didn't know that it was a you know an illness. I was just like, what is happening? Nobody know what to do. Um, so I think th- at that point I was like, maybe I just like, maybe I'm just stressed and lonely or something. You know, maybe I should stop doing this because maybe I need to be part of a team or I need to be. Because I, I was like, I remember being in that job, being happier. I guess. I was surrounded by people who are like-minded. I can mm-hmm. talk to people. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to go back to that. You know, I need to be part of that again. Um, this being, you know, a founder is way too lonely and way too stressful for me. <laughs> I'm obviously not up for it. You know, I was all, all of these voices telling me like, you're not up for it. Like, you're not born to do this. Don't do it. Like, stop it kind of thing. Um, and I think there was an opportunity uh, to work uh, at a company that came up. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should do that. You know, and I spoke to my co-founder, and I said to her, "Hey, this is what I'm going through." And she was, she knew that I was struggling, but she was like, "I'm really sorry to hear that." And I said, "I think I need to step away from the business. I think I need to go do go do this job because I need, I need my sanity back." You know. Yeah. You, Even though you, I didn't know it was, you know, depression, right? But um, you were able to make that connection that you know I'd seen. I know what former me is like. I know what feeling good is like, and I'm not that. Not that so yeah. that's something I can anchor to in a moment when I was feeling better. Yeah. I'm desperate. I'm going to explore that. Yeah, exactly. And the thing with the human brain, right? We remember things better sometimes. Always. Right? right. Everything is silver linings, right? Like, oh, that moment was great yeah, in the exactly. past. At the time, you're like, this is time. shit. <laughs> exactly. I was like, oh, you know, I wish I can just go back to that time. I was happy. I was like... I had a good yep. job. La la la. You know, Fast moving consumer goods. <laughs> exactly. We. Parties. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I was doing all these things. People respect me. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, maybe I'll go, go and do that. And my co founder, she was very understanding of that. Uh, and she's like, again, you know, we had that chat about, like, you do what's best for you. Don't worry about me, kind of thing. So she was very kind. So yeah, I stepped out and I started working in this. Um, uh, a co-working space company actually as their head of marketing and cool. it was the start of my journey in this kind of like startup uh, innovation co-working space kind of got it yeah um yeah so that's kind of how uh, that's how kenny got her mojo back <laughs> yeah. did you find that that was that was the um the what helped you transition back to a happier, healthier place? Was that the solution you kind of yeah. ended up needing? A, you removed yourself mm. from where you were feeling bad, and B, you moved into somewhere where you thought there was a community that mm. could help you to feel... Not immediately, I would again. say. Uh, that job actually was very, very... Not very good uh, environment. Very toxic. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they're bankrupt now, because um, they were a startup. They had, like funding and everything but it was wasn't well managed uh but anyway everybody that's kind of like everybody knows that now because it, they're they've closed down but um it was a start because i was like oh i can be part of this kind of world now where you know i still uh i still to this day think that maybe i want to do a business again but this time around i'll have all of these experience behind me to know that I should have, you know, back then I didn't do any market research. I didn't even thought about what the products were and everything. It was just like a jump to, to let's just do it kind of thing and mm-hmm. figure it as we go. Um, and I thought like, okay, this is where I can bring value. Um, so 
but you know in the background this depression thing is still happening right so even though i thought going out from that from the business into another environment would help sure that's not in and of itself that wasn't the silver bullet that wasn't no, going to just do it there wasn't yeah there wasn't a silver bullet right and uh, it didn't help that the business um that workplace was very toxic it made it worse <laughs> so i actually um quit that job and i, I thought okay um what can i do i need to physically remove myself and uh i thought maybe i should go to australia because mm. this was where i last remembered that i was happy you know and i was like maybe i should go to australia so i, I took all of my savings weren't much and i booked a one way flight <laughs> i didn't awesome. have <laughs> Are you finding things about me now that you're like Kenny's a bit like you're a, <laughs> erratic? You're, you're erratic. A, ma- a maverick renegade, Kenny. I, am, I love I am, it. This I'm is very great. Erratic. Um, no, I just think, I think you're very brave to do stuff like that. You know, <laughs> okay. like that's that's I'm not glad um you feel that way. <laughs> that's not a decision most people would go to in yeah. that circumstance. Anyway, so you some people say that, but but to me it wasn't being brave. I was running out of options. I couldn't find a help, mental health help in Indonesia that I needed. I literally had to Google psychologist. Eight people come up or something in in whole of Jakarta. Whole of Jaka- yeah, Fifteen okay. million people. You know, I went to so one six month waiting period. Something, something like that. No, I actually went to one and it was a horrible experience. Mm. I'll not get into it. But I was like, how do I get help? And I remember in Australia, I've got a friend in Melbourne who in the past have told me that they struggled with their mental health and they, they got help and I was like for some reason I'm like all right I'm just going to go to Australia I'm going to go to Melbourne I don't know where else I can go to remove myself from Jakarta and like all of these pressures and everything that I thought was around me so I thought I'll buy a ticket I'm going to book like four days Airbnb somewhere and money enough for a month <laughs> and I was like and then I'll just figure it out. I'll get a job in a coffee shop and I'll just, you know, figure myself out again, you know, start from zero. Mm-hmm. So exactly what I did. First day I came here, called a few of my friends and like, hey, I'm back. And they're like, what do you mean you're back? I'm literally I'm, down the road. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and they were also surprised and they were like, okay. And I, um, yeah, I had to start from zero. I didn't have a job maybe for maybe five, six months because I was still struggling with depression. I And by the way, I'm speaking very freely about this because I feel like people don't talk about it enough, especially from my community, Indonesians. Somehow people don't talk it, about it because they're ashamed or whatever. I'm just saying we need to talk about it because people are struggling more than you think. And um, it has helped me in the past knowing someone had that experience and um, I could reach out to that person and like, how do I get help? You know, it's, so, it's a huge benefit and it, it's the Indonesian community you mentioned, but it's also the founder community, the start, the startup yeah. community is also guilty of, you know, I think internalizing mental struggles. So yeah. there's great value in, in you being an open share about this. Yeah. I think, uh, Kenny. It's nothing uh, to me. It's nothing to be ashamed of because I'm like, I just really struggled. I came here to Australia. I got help. I got like you know um, government help, and you know I found a really good therapist. I've been with her ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's been five years. That's fantastic. So, um, if I didn't come to Australia to Melbourne again, I think 
yeah so my saving grace i think is coming back to australia and getting mm. that help got right you, you changed your yeah. geographic location you were outside of where that negativity was you got professional help I did. Yeah. they feel like two massive changes like two big positives and if you can have yeah. those two that's going to be pretty helpful for most people yeah in many contexts and and i know it's a privilege because not everybody can just like uproot themselves and go to another country i was sure. I'm lucky that i have the you know you know all the papers and everything to to live in australia uh to have the means and have friends around me to help me um and government to help me as well financially for a few months when i didn't have a job um but yeah that was the start of my getting better getting getting the old kenny back yeah and getting the new kenny in <laughs> uh so it's an awesome journey kenny i really appreciate you sharing that with me i'm interested to know is there any one sort of insight or anything that you would share to someone who's thinking about becoming a founder or on that founder yeah. journey yeah it could be a principle or anything do you have a learning mm. that you that you would take out from all of that trip yeah. i know it's a big question it is. it's a big journey i've had a few i think but i think the biggest thing for me is um and i know people say this all the time but i think it's true uh you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people it's just as simple Dude, as that I'm it's all, a simple thing right i feel you i yeah. feel like all the productivity in the world all the yeah. best intentions none of that can happen without you kind of feeling good exactly and you can yeah. you can buy all the apps and do all the things and work super hard but if you start to feel crap you end up not uh, not being able to reach your capacity exactly yeah so that's that's a huge that's yeah. a really valuable insight i think the the visual that i always remember is you know when you go on a plane and they do the safety thing where they uh with the doot, doot. yeah should blow in the thing blow in the thing yeah and they always say like before you if you're with a child and the uh, mask come down do yours first and then do the child right mm. at first i remember at the very first time i saw that i think when i was a kid i was like why that's that's so selfish like you know <laughs> poor kid a poor kid is going to be like choking yeah, while yeah. you're putting it on yours but then over the time i realized that how can you be a proper helper or a guardian or you know supporter to another person if you're not well yourself right like you're not totally. going to be the best version of yourself if you're constantly like oh i don't need air i'm just going to put it on everyone and then do my own air later by that time you'll probably be you know, it'll be too late <laughs> too late yeah. um so it's not selfish to first make sure your uh your needs are met that you are healthy you are happy because then naturally you just be this best version of yourself that people enjoy you don't even have to try right if you're if you're doing your very best that's it there's no putting it on like if you can prioritize your health yeah. and feel good you will inherently do your best work and yeah. that seems so simple it but it's so easy to get disconnected from that so yeah. I, thank you for for yeah. bringing that up kenny i yeah. really appreciate that it's something i try to sort of convey in my own sort of projects it's a constant theme and, and it never changes like that is, is it's an inarguable law of the universe yeah 
and it's so easy to get away from it, but you need to find ways to feel good and to manage your health. And Yeah. yeah. And I think it's very human for us to feel like, oh, I need to work on that because we're probably wired not to be like that. I probably don't have the data to support that, mm. but I feel like I think most people, we, we want to focus on other people. We want to help other people. We want to, you know, be there for people around us, our family, our, our partners or whatever, that we don't naturally just think about ourselves first. That's why we need to re keep reminding ourselves because it's just naturally going to go the other way. So we need to steer, like it's steer, not selfish. Back. You know? People it, say, yeah. oh, but it's selfish. No, you, no. you, you're, you're not selfish. You're the, as long as the intention is like, I'm taking care of myself because I want to be the best for other people around me. You, you, yeah. That's exactly it. You will only, the service somebody gets from you yeah. will be radically improved if you feel good when you're giving it. Exactly. It's that yeah. simple. If this podcast today, Kenny, if yeah. I was hungover and tired, <laughs> it would be a radically poorer yeah, exactly. uh, podcast. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. that's, that's really, it makes a lot of sense. And I, it's, it's yeah. a recommendation from my own heart, that one, Kenny. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, thank you very much for being on the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's just been, yeah, it's been, what's Hopefully the word? Hopefully cathartic. I was, yeah, I was <laughs> looking for that word, cathartic. Yeah, it does. It does.